the first several days of this, I just opened up the floodgates and consumed because mm. it was under the guise of, well, I'm going to get all of this information and I'm going to be so smart and I'm going to take care of myself and I'm going to help <laughs> Bree take care of herself. Right. Yes. But all that did, like you, Anson, it just had me at 2 a.m. like, yeah. Yo, is the world really ending right now? <laughs> like, and, yeah. And that in turn was like, and then where were the people who were supposed to stop this? Like, <laughs> why didn't they stop this? Like, yeah. yeah. Welcome to the Real Talk Podcast from Real FM. Here's Anson, Kara, and Isaac. Hello and welcome to Season 6, Episode 4 of Real Talk. I am Anson, along with Kara and Isaac. We are excited to be joining you in the midst of, man, just a really crazy time. Yeah. yeah. This is kind of nuts, what's going on in our world right now. One of the things that's important in the midst of everything that's going on, though, is finding some areas of life where we can find just a little bit of normalcy. Yeah. yeah. And so we want to continue to bring you the Real Talk podcast. That's yes. just one little normal thing that we can do. <laughs> sure. Normal and nugget. Hopefully you can listen. If not, at the very least, we got together and talked some things out ourselves. <laughs> Which is, I think, <laughs> probably what we need right now. Yeah. Helpful. So at the very least, this conversation is going to be therapeutic for us. So true. let's talk about what's happening on this episode of Real Talk. Real Talk is a show where we get real about everything from current events to culture to faith. We're going to keep our normal segments that we've been doing this season. First up, Struggle Bus. And I'm going to be talking a little bit about the struggle of sharing household responsibilities. Ooh. And this is especially true when you're in home <laughs> quarantine. But even during normal times, my wife and I lately have been kind of trying to figure this part of our lives out. Yeah. How do we split up our household duties in a way that is both equitable, mm-hmm. where it's not one person doing more of the work than the other, right. but then also at the same time, not keeping score. Oh, Because sometimes, let's face it, it's not going to be fair. When you're keeping score, it just creates, I think, a lot of jealousy and potential mm. for things to go wrong. Kara has the Good Vibes segment. She's talking about growth on the podcast and specifically how much fun it is when you have the opportunity to kind of look back at maybe a previous point in your life and go, wow, look how far I have come yes. over the last X period of time, right? That's a big deal. So that's what Kara's talking about on the show today. And then my man Isaac is on the record with Peabod. Yeah. You may remember Peabod from a couple of his singles that we've played on Real FM, including Antisocial. OK is another one. Peabod is uh, what we like to call a happy rapper. Mm-hmm. He's so gay. And I'm going to be happy <laughs> listening to Isaac interview Peabod yes. because I just think that's going to be a blast. I know he's such a cool guy. And this interview is awesome. I am excited for you to get it in your ears. And then we have the conversation. And to be honest, we were planning on doing something completely different for this episode. <laughs> but we've wiped that out. And we're starting over today because it feels like Everything that's going on in the world right now is so overwhelming and so all consuming. It almost seems silly to talk about anything other than what we're all facing right now. Yeah, because it's the only thing anybody's talking about. Right. (laughs) Literally. Now, here's what we're not talking about. Okay, we're not going to sit here and tell you the latest coronavirus news, Uh, because by the time this podcast releases, it will probably all be out of date. Right. We're not going to try to sit here and pretend like we are epidemiologists or scientists or doctors and tell you about the steps you should be taking or not taking or the number of people that are infected or any of that kind of stuff. There's lots of other great sources you can go to to get all of that information as well. Mm -hmm. What we're going to be doing is just sharing some of our own personal experiences of what this has been like so far. Mm -hmm. And maybe you'll be able to relate to some of the stuff that each of us is dealing with and how we're coping 
with those things. And so we just want to share some of our own experiences with each other to hopefully encourage you and maybe help you think and process what your next few weeks in the midst of a global pandemic (laughs) might look like. I am hopping back aboard the struggle bus this week to talk about (laughs) sharing household responsibilities. So let me set the scene for you a little bit. I think that there are a lot of both cultural and personal issues that have played into this for me and my wife, as we've discussed, taking care of our house. Mm. And now that we are parents of three children, this has only gotten harder Mm. because there is just a constant supply of stuff being scattered across our home, Mm. toys and dishes and all sorts of things. And trying to keep our home in order has only gotten more and more difficult as our family has grown. On the cultural level, I think there's some real stereotypes that kind of feed into the Mm. way that we perceive this, that Mm. generally it's a woman's job to take care of the home and keep (laughs) it clean, right? Generally, it's the man who's the breadwinner. And I think from the very beginning, my wife and I, we've kind of fought back against this in some ways. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that those cultural influences haven't gotten to us in any way. Right. Mm. And my wife and I have kind of been trying to figure this out over recent weeks and months and really even years <laughs> yeah. to try to figure out, okay, how do we divide up our responsibilities in our household mm. in a way that makes sense for us yeah. and in a way that's fair to both of us, mm. but also, and I think this might be the most critical component in a way that doesn't turn this into a scorekeeping, oh. tally keeping kind of a situation. It's so hard. And both of us, I think would admit that we struggle with that scorekeeping a sure. lot. Where there are just certain days where we go, I feel like I'm carrying more of the burden here than you. And I'm starting to feel a little bit resentful about that. And then how do we communicate that to each other? Does that resentfulness just explode out of us one day where we say, (laughs) I feel like you're not keeping up with the stuff that you need to be keeping up with. And the other person says, oh, so you're saying I am a lesser member of this team that that can hurt some feelings really fast. Yes. And if I can be very honest with you, it has been doing that a little bit lately for my Mm. wife and I. So before I go too much further, I want to get your guys' thoughts on this. Oh, gosh. Is this something (laughs) you don't have to throw yourselves or your partner (laughs) under the bus? But at the very least. Is this something you can identify and say, yeah, this is a struggle of ours as well? Yeah. 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 100%. Okay, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Bree and I, like, we generally divide things along the lines of, like, cleaning and cooking between one another, where, mm-hmm. like, I can clean a mean kitchen. Like, I'll, I'll, get, okay. that, I'll get that thing, like, spotless, right? Yeah. But I'm a horrible cook. Like, I can okay. breakfast food, <laughs> but, like, I can't like cook for anything but i can clean okay so that's kind of our natural we find those things that like she hates taking the trash out and i don't don't care at all like Mm -hmm. i'll just do that so i think we've even talked about this before like you just find the thing that the other person hates doing and if you feel neutral about it then now that's your thing yes Mm -hmm. so that's kind of where we do it it's been tricky on weeks that we're both busy because we Mm -hmm. both kind of stumble through that but there have been times where i have just shirked my duties to clean and it's been brought up and I felt bad. Yeah. (laughs) Fair. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's funny because I feel like the stereotype is reversed in our house or the stereotype just doesn't apply. Maybe my husband is very good at cleaning and keeping up with chores. He's way better at it. If I'm honest than I'm like, I keep a clutter at bay, I would say. And I did okay on my own, but he's more aware of it. Like he notices it more than I do, which means he'll do it first. Yeah. if I don't make a point to do it. And so, yes, this has been a struggle for us in our marriage. Those times where he's like, I feel like I'm doing all the work. And I'm like, what? I'm trying, you know, and it gets to this Mm. real emotional space. But 
it's gotten better. I think we're both very capable of doing all the things. But yeah, I think we've learned, okay, I like to do this thing. You don't like to do this thing. So we're getting better at that. But there's still times when one of us is in a stressful season where when I get stressed, I tend to not notice things. Yeah, And And everyone is okay with a certain amount of mess. Yes. Right. But like that's not always the same as that vary from person to person. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, There's this threshold. And so it's definitely a thing. I think one of the places that Dree and I tend to struggle is, okay, we've maybe divided out certain tasks like you guys are talking Mm -hmm. about. For example, Dree does most of the laundry. Mm -hmm. I do most of the yard work. I mow and that Uh kind of stuff. Right. But I think sometimes, especially when we're feeling particularly snowed under by our own responsibilities, Mm. like if Dree feels like, man, the laundry is just really piling up right now and I'm having a hard time keeping up with it. Mm -hmm. Or I'm like, the lawn looks terrible and I need to mow it, but I just can't find an opportunity to go do it. We get to this point where we weight our own responsibilities differently than Mm. we weight the other person's responsibilities. So we have this tendency to think like the stuff that I have to do is harder or yep. takes more of my yeah. time or energy or effort than what the other person mm. has to do. Yeah. And we don't feel like this all the time. Yeah. I think it's really when we start to get in a stressed place yeah. where yeah. then you start to just look at your like mountain of responsibilities and it seems to be getting bigger and bigger. Yeah. And you go, I have so much to do and I'm so overwhelmed. And then I see you over there messing around on your phone <laughs> or playing a video game yep. or hanging out with a friend one evening or something. And all of a sudden this like triggers some sort of resentment in me yeah. of like, mm-hmm. man, I got to do all this stuff and you don't even do anything, yeah. which is not true at all. <laughs> yeah. But we have this tendency to overweigh, I think, our own responsibilities and undervalue at times yep. our partner's responsibilities. For sure. And when we get into that mode, that's when all the comparison games start. Yeah. And I think the keeping score thing that you said is really important. It's so hard not to keep score because yeah. literally sometimes you have to like make a chart, <laughs> like, like divide it out. <laughs> right. So how do you not like put tally marks like right. that and be like, hey, you failed this week? You know, yeah. it's so hard not to keep score. And so many people have told me over the years, marriage is not 50 50. Right. It's like 100 100. And mm-hmm. but there's times where one spouse is not going to be able to get right. it. It's not always even. It's not always. Yeah. 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 Exactly. But getting through those times, I think, without that resentment yes. starting to creep in it's so hard is really tough. And I think the thing that my wife and I are really working on right now is realizing, OK, this is going to happen sometimes. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's inevitable. Not that we can't try to work to minimize it as much as possible. Right. But more than that, when it does happen. Yeah. How do we communicate? to each Mm -hmm. other and how do we share with each other when we're in the middle of that. So if I'm feeling resentment and I can't help the way that I'm feeling, what's the best way for me to process that and communicate Mm -hmm. that to you? And that's where we definitely have a little bit of work to do because in recent weeks we've shared that resentment with each other in unhealthy (laughs) ways, right? Or we've just expressed to each other, I feel like you're not holding up your end of the bargain or something. Mm -hmm. And If you really feel that way, it's important to actually sit down and talk about it. You don't want to just hold that up and never share it. But the way we share that uh, is really, really important. And we could do that in a very healthy way or a potentially very destructive way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I get to talk about good vibes this week. And uh, I was thinking about our discussion last week. We were talking about incremental growth and how it's all about these, you know, baby steps. And it can get really discouraging sometimes. And you can feel like I'm not going anywhere. And I had a moment this last week that was really kind of cool. I was at lunch with a friend and you guys know about me, how anxious I get about conflict of any kind. Mm -hmm. Like I just, I'm like, nope, I'm going to go away now into my shell. I don't like it. And 
I needed to have a conversation with a friend because I felt like there was some tension going on and I had been thinking about it for a while. And I just finally brought it up and said, Hey, can we talk about this? And we had this great conversation and it was very open and we got to the end of it. And I was like, Hey, I did that. I just had a hard conversation with you. I brought it up (laughs) and I did not panic or fall apart. We're in a better place now and we're good. And I was like, what in the world? Like both (laughs) of us were kind of like, she was like, yeah, you've really grown. Uh. Like she took note of it. And I was like, I have really grown. (laughs) Wow. It actually works. Cause when you're, when you're in the middle of those seasons, Mm -hmm. when you're struggling and everyone's like, you're going to grow from this, you're like, yeah, whatever. I don't feel like I'm growing. This just stinks. But to get to the end of a season where you've gone through some stuff and struggled and look back and go, whoa, there was actually growth. We're in spring now, you know, to actually be like, hey, that thing I thought was dead. There's some green stuff coming up out of the ground. Mm -hmm. And that's really encouraging. Yeah, Yeah, I think one of the really funny things about growth is this idea that failure is a necessary part of growing. Mm. Right. And so when we're in the middle of it and we're having these little failures and little growths where hopefully we're kind of stair stepping up. Yeah. Those failures stick out like a sore thumb to (laughs) us. And so it's hard to realize how much growth is happening Yeah, because sometimes we're just thinking about all the failures that are causing us to grow until you get to that point where you can look back and see where you've come from over a longer span of time and you can see what those failures added up to. But to me, that's why I have a hard time in the middle of those seasons realizing that growth is taking place because I just tend to focus more on the failures than the the steps forward. Because that's all you can see when you're in it. It feels like it's so discouraging. You're like, I'm trying so hard and it just feels like I keep failing and yeah, you're right. I wouldn't I wouldn't have put that together. Well, the failures where the growth is happening, right. but it doesn't feel like that. But oh. we need those moments of victory, I think, as well, where yes. we can look back on all of the steps we've taken in a certain area over a set period of time. Yeah. And go like, yeah. oh, no, now I can see how far I've come. Right. Those, those right. are really great moments. They are. For sure. And I think sometimes we have to have our friends help us identify those because mm-hmm. because it was kind of me and her both. I was like, wait, did that? Did I? Was that a thing? And she was like, oh, yeah, I noticed. You need confirmation of (laughs) that, right? And that's really encouraging. And I think that's why community is so important. Celebrate the wins. Exactly. This is Isaac from Real FM going on the record with Peabod, one of my favorite emerging rappers and people within the Christian rap community. So let's hop in. Peabod, you've addressed things like roommates, side hustles, shooting from the hip and making things up as you go. How much of that are personal experiences or shared from friends? What inspired one of those songs specifically for you? Man, I would say 100% of those are personal experiences um, and experiences that my friends are going through. I'm in this season right now where everything is about being scrappy. I'm working another job and trying to make this music thing work. And luckily I have a really awesome boss who lets me travel around and do different things for music. So that's been super helpful. But yeah, man, it's just kind of the grind. And I think all of your 20s or at least your early 20s shooting from the hip, that was for sure my anthem when I when I wrote that because I felt like every single year there was just so much that I I didn't know. And so I was just kind of winging it, which is a little scary. And then like the roommate song, you know, now I'm married, so I have one roommate. But at the time when I wrote that, I was living with four other guys in, in a house we were renting uh, after college. And so, yeah, man, each each one of those songs is a personal experience. Yeah, I think drawing from personal experiences is huge. I mean, even if it's friends, family or 
your personal life every day, things that you connect with sort of on that daily level. I think that can produce some really cool art and music. So where do you find encouragement sort of in your lane inside the world of hip hop? On, on like the Christian side of things, um, Andy Minio has been someone that I've listened to since he first signed with Reach. I have always loved what he's doing. And I think specifically his last couple projects have been super, super encouraging to me. And uh, these guys have dabbled in hip hop. Sometimes they would land in a different genre, but King's Kaleidoscope has been another big encouragement. Those two bands and a lot of others inside Christian music and Christian hip hop are doing a great job of cutting down to some really deep, important issues and and speaking truth and life into those things and pointing people back to Jesus in them. So outside of Christian hip hop, though, probably Chance the Rapper. I think that Chance is the first time that I heard like real joy in hip hop and Coloring Book was like a revelation for me before I wrote Healthy Snacks. So yeah, everything Chance is doing is a huge inspiration too. I can definitely see an element of influence from people like Chance the Rapper in you, just kind of that encouragement, upbeat hip hop, and just that energy of happiness and encouragement. Do you think that that's something natural for you? Do you view yourself as a natural encourager? I really appreciate that. Yes, I think I do. Encouragement is something that's really important to me. Like if you do that love languages test that was so popular for a while, words of affirmation is huge for me. Um, not just in like what I need, but also just how I, I tell people that I care about them is through actually telling them with, with words. So I think that, yeah, that's, that's actually like a big goal for my music in general is I, I would hope that it encourages people. So on the note of being a natural encourager and making that the goal of your music, do you sometimes worry about maybe boxing yourself in as a happy rapper or kind of having that persona be your character? You see people like NF who are sort of now essentially the sad dude. Do you think that that's a fair you know, label? And do you think that those labels even matter? I don't think any artist wants to be tied to one specific thing. I think every artist would love to have the freedom. Like I listen to a lot of different genres. I would love to have the freedom to go and make a folk record because I want to. That doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to sell or be good for my career. So the thing about like music today is it's so oversaturated that no matter what you do, people are looking to figure you out as quickly as they can. So when you hear an NF song, there are a lot of really sad NF songs. So it's really easy to go, oh, he's the sad dude. I don't necessarily think that that is fair to NF, but I, I don't know that there's a great way to change it at this point because people are just trying to figure artists out as quick as they can um, so that they can give some context when they if they tell someone about that artist. That's that's my assumption. So I definitely think that I already am being pegged as the happy dude. And that's okay. Like in in general, I I am a pretty happy person. But for example, on this next record, there are some songs that are not happy, but there's hope in them. And so anyways, I think I would not be surprised if I got to a point in my career where I was, you know, frustrated and felt like maybe I was being put in a box. But at the same time, I think it's just where the industry is at. I think it's it's hard enough to get people's attention. And so once you do, you have to get music in front of them. And if you're trying to change their opinion of you in that few seconds when they when you have their attention, at least for me right now, because because I'm so new, I don't know that there's a whole lot I can do to 
<laughs> change that persona. So I'm okay with the, the happy rapper thing for the time being. There are definitely going to be some songs that aren't happy, but but I think it's it's an interesting, I think, larger conversation about labeling and stuff. For sure. Well, speaking of future work, I saw that you recently tracked final vocals on a couple of projects. Do you have anything you can let slip about your upcoming project at all? Or what stage of that are you in? There's a lot of stuff for this project that I'm not... Uh, we don't have dates yet for when stuff is going to release. I will say that the record it's not necessarily a full length project but like the the next batch of songs are probably 95% written and probably 90% tracked so we're getting really really close and then you know of course we're going to have to mix and master everything but i'm really excited to release some new music i feel like this is going to be a cool step in a new direction that still is part of the I don't I don't think fans are going to listen to this and go like this is so different from anything you've made but I think it's going to feel like a a progression and a step forward so I'm really excited about about that that's awesome man so we know that the songwriting process is highly collaborative do you have a collab that went well and maybe a dream collab yeah, man, I think what I'm learning is the more I meet people in this industry, the more I'm like, dude, I want to make music with my friends. And that has been really fun. So like Marty was a feature on the backpack song. And that was fun because we actually connected and got to be friends before that. And so it just gives a different feeling to the song. Like if I listen back to it, going like, yeah, that's that's someone I actually know on that record. Um, like obviously Chance is a hero of mine, so I'd love to work with him, but that's not gonna happen. <laughs> now it is time for the conversation. And I've got to admit, going into season six of the Real Talk podcast, I was not expecting for us to do an episode on a global pandemic. Mm -hmm. And yet here we are. Yeah. I, which I feel like we could probably all say about a lot of things in life oh, right now, man. right? No yeah. kidding. It's this, been such a weird time. I feel like I'm in a movie where I'm just expecting <laughs> yes! like yeah. an alien spaceship to part the skies <laughs> next month. Like, what's happening tomorrow now? Like, <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> it's just extremely surreal, I yeah. feel like. And, and there are moments where I'm kind of like, okay, this is happening. And I, I don't know. It doesn't feel that weird. And then there are other moments where I've, it's almost this like out of body, out of world yeah. kind of experience of, wait, what is happening right now? And yeah. I exist in the middle of this. So one of the things that we want to do in this episode is kind of just go around and each share what each of us have been dealing with over the first two weeks or so of home quarantine <laughs> and what the challenges have been in the midst of that. Maybe what some successes have looked like in the middle of that as well. Mm -hmm. And just kind of bounce these ideas off of each other and hopefully be encouraged and maybe come up with some ideas for things we can incorporate or work on in mm -hmm. our own lives as we're walking through this experience. And I think really the whole point is, yes, home quarantine uh, by definition basically means that you're going to be doing a lot of this on your own. But there are ways that we we can really still incorporate community into what we're doing. Yeah. And I think that's so important. Even if we're physically alone in our homes, yes. there's still opportunities thanks to technology, thanks to podcasts like this one and all sorts of other things for us to connect to others and kind of crowdsource some of this stuff, right? Oh, like yeah. what's working for other people? What can right. I incorporate into my own life? Definitely. So that's some of what we want to share with you today. So I'll get us started talking about things first off that we've kind of been struggling with. This one may be kind of unique to me. How do you lead your family 
well mm. in the midst of a time like this, especially if you have kids, oh, because man. a kid's experience in the middle of this. I, I mean, think about how anxious we yeah, are. Yeah. Think about how worried we are about what's going to happen next and yeah. then apply that to a child. Oh. Right. Yeah. I mean, in some ways, there can be a little more innocence at times of like, OK, I'm not as plugged into the news as my parents or things right. like that. So yeah. maybe it doesn't feel quite as heavy at times. But then at other times, I think it can also be even worse as a kid because you're like, if my parents feel like they're out of control, how much more out of control do I feel? Yeah. You know, I I have no control over anything. Or what about the kids who maybe not be going back to school at all for the rest Mm. of their school year? Right. You know, just one day, all of a sudden they're done with school and bye to all their friends. And you can do that. You can just stop school. (laughs) It's crazy. Right. Or I've heard people talk about high school seniors and stuff where the entire normal process of yeah. finishing up your senior year and graduation and all this stuff has kind of been ripped yeah. away from them. Yeah. So a, a lot of challenges in this area of leading our families. I read something the other day that I thought was a, a really interesting point. A friend was talking about how their kids who are elementary aged kids mm. when they're older are probably not going to have super clear memories of all the different things that happened during this time in their lives. Mm. Yeah. They may not remember all the details, the facts of how long we were quarantined or who got <laughs> sick or who didn't get sick right. or how many people got infected. What they're going to remember most are feelings. Yeah. Yes. What did my home feel like right. during oh this goodness. time? Were yeah. my parents panicking? Mm. Were yeah. they always on edge? Were they angry? Were they happy? Were they scared? Were they, you know, mm. I think those are the things that as you grow older, those more overarching feelings, yeah. those are the things that you're going to be left with. Yeah. And we can, I think, look back on other major events that took place in our lives, whether they're just personal things that happened in our own families mm-hmm. or whether they were broader cultural events. Yeah. I think the other big one probably in all of our lifetimes that we would think back on would be 9-11. Yeah. And so we look back and think, OK, I don't remember all the specifics of exactly what I did yeah. that day, mm-hmm. but I do remember how I felt that day. Yeah. And I remember sitting in my freshman biology class watching a television with my classmates and kind of goofing off because we didn't really fully understand the Mm. significance of what was happening. Yeah. And then slowly but surely several different teachers were in the room watching the TV as well. Yeah. Mm. And we looked over at them and realized how scared and how serious they looked. Yeah. Mm. And went, wait a second. All of a sudden, all of our freshman juvenile goofing off kind of stopped. We went, holy cow, like the way they're looking at the TV and the way they're acting is not normal. Yeah. And it kind of clued us into something that like, okay, this is a big deal. And at that point, we started to pay attention and start to listen. Yeah. Right. And so as a parent, I've been thinking through that right now of my kids are watching me during this time. They're watching to see how I act and how I respond. Right. It doesn't necessarily mean that I can't be scared or that I can't be like authentic about how I'm Mm -hmm. feeling if I'm worried or those things. Yeah. In some ways, sharing those feelings honestly with my kids, I think is a good thing, Mm. but I have Mm -hmm. to do it in a way that's going to be productive and helpful for them. Right. So just flat out panicking from my kids (laughs) and running around and like, "Ah, we're all going to die, you know, probably not so helpful, (laughs) but sitting down and talking to my kids and saying, Hey, if this makes you feel kind of scared, Honestly, sometimes it kind of makes me feel scared, too. Mm. Yeah. And here's how I'm dealing with that. Here's what I'm doing. I'm yeah. I'm trying to pray more. I'm trying to listen yeah. to God and absorb his peace and his comfort in the midst of this. But uh, I don't know. It's hard because yeah. I feel like as adults, we have a hard enough time during stressful situations. Right. Managing our own emotions and our oh, own fear. Yeah. And then kind of the 
responsibility of helping our kids manage theirs. Yeah. It's a lot, a lot of responsibility in a time like this. It is. And yet maybe the way that we help our kids or the kids in our lives manage it can help us manage it. Because when you break it down for kids, you have to make everything really simple. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. part of what stirs up all of our anxiety is that there's just so much coming at us, so much information. Yeah. And it's like, we need it to be simpler. I think of Mr. Rogers immediately, like how he helps people process their emotions. Yeah, right. And even though it was a kid's TV show, we're all obsessed with Mr. Rogers, y'all. Because <laughs> yeah. he like helped us he understand. Really good at that. Yeah, he helped us understand and process super hard things. Yeah. And so maybe we could learn from how we need to talk to our kids. Maybe it's how we need to talk to ourselves. Do you kind of see that and how it's working out in your life, Anson? Like the best way to learn something is to teach it. Is that kind of your experience? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that's a really good point. Even things that I already know. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. saying them again out loud or saying them to my kids Mm -hmm. like helps my heart to absorb those things right like for example there's all sorts of cliches we could toss out at times like this right like god Mm. is in control or god has always been in control or god still loves us yeah but those cliches are cliche for a reason because they're also true right right right? but we i think sometimes as adults have become numb to those truths Mm. because we've Mm -hmm overused them or we've heard them misused or abused or whatever. Mm -hmm. But when we have to sit down and tell them to our kids earnestly, Mm, all of a sudden we start to listen to them again. And so I go, man, this is really scary and this is really hard, but you know what? God still loves us. And I really truly believe that. Mm. And saying it out loud to my children helps me to believe it all the more. It's one thing for me to know that in my head, but it's another thing for me to speak that truth over my kids and simultaneously kind of speak it over myself. And so I I think that has been uh, a really good part of this for me so far. And maybe you don't have kids, but I think this is something that you could still practice to some Mm. extent as well, whether it's with friends or with your spouse or family members, loved ones, whatever, kind of reminding each other of these truths that we need to hold on to in the midst of fear and Mm. in the midst of anxiety, saying those things out loud as opposed to just holding them all and letting them jumble around Mm. in your head can have a big impact. Huge impact. That's so good. Well, my thing that I'm struggling with, among others, there's several (laughs) in the middle of all this, is figuring out the balance between completely shutting down and not wanting to know anything, which is my unhealthy way of coping with these kind of situations. Like, I'm going to go just disappear and sleep and numb out because I can't handle this. I tend to absorb whatever emotions are happening around me. And so right now... The collective emotion of everybody, it feels like I'm in like a dust storm, anxiety and fear and negativity. I'm just like, I am so overwhelmed. I just want to shut down. Well, if everyone else individually is overwhelmed and then you try to absorb everyone Everyone. else's overwhelming feelings, (laughs) you certainly are not going to be able to absorb all of those. Right. So then there's like this emergency shut off switch in my brain that (laughs) happens and it's just like, you're done. That's what I tend to do. I tend to shut down. But on the other hand... There are things we need to know and like keep Mm. informed about to a certain degree. But if I go too far in that direction again, I'm going to trip the circuit again and just go back to where I started. So it's been an interesting balance. My husband and I are kind of opposite in this. He tends to seek out information Mm. when he's overwhelmed Mm -hmm. and kind of absorb more and more and more. Me too. (laughs) Yeah. And so in a way, though, I think it's been good. We kind of balance each other out a little bit. Because obviously, I tend to not want that. Mm-hmm. But he's helped me to take a little bit at a time. And we've had conversations about it and having calm conversations with him. 
has helped me process mm. some things. But another thing that's helped me, there are a couple of email newsletters that have recently come out that are like really simplified versions of the news. Mm. Yeah. And I really like them. They're really helpful for me to absorb things in a non overwhelming yeah. <laughs> way, non stimulating, yeah. maybe. One of them is called the pour over. And it comes out like a couple of times a week, not even every day, but maybe like three times a week. And it's from a Christian worldview by millennials. And basically, it just has stories with the facts, but then it also has some good news. Yeah. Here's some funny things, maybe like a verse or a quote at the end of each different section. Like, here's a way to think about this and process it. And then there's another one from Verily Mag called Keeping Calm During COVID-19. And it has a lot as well. Here's the new information stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But also like other links to something else to think about. Here's right. another distracting thing to think yeah. about. But both of them are calm, matter of fact. So those two sources have been helpful for me and kind of I guess, sorting through some of the sure. noise in all of this. It's kind yeah. of like getting the dosage right. Yes. Right? I mean, like you could that's overdose so on the news or you could underdose on it. Yeah, that's right? true. But if you need to have some of it, figuring out what yeah. that dosage yeah. amount looks like for you, and it mm -hmm. may not be the same for everyone. That's a good point. Some people may have more or less tolerance, right. I think, than others. Yes. But I think we all probably have upper and lower limits. Yeah. yeah. And so kind of figuring out what tools can I use or how can I flip that switch when it needs to be flipped of saying like, all right, that's enough or that's yes. not enough to yeah. make sure you're getting the appropriate amount, yeah. I think yeah. is really important. To me, I always have to ask the question, like, what can be done with this information? Oh, now? that's good. Right. Like yeah. if it doesn't directly give me a to do, yeah. then I don't know really what I can do with that mm -hmm. and whether that's or not good. I should really be handling that yet. You can only go task by task right now. Right. Yes. So asking yourself like, okay, this is information on today. I need to make sure that I wash my hands for this amount of time. Like that's yeah, you can, that's actionable information. Right. But sort of parsing that out over the storm, like drinking oh from gosh. the fire hose of <laughs> insanity. Like it's hard. You can't do that. I think yeah. the other thing that you brought up there that is really helpful to me as well is some distracting stuff. Yeah. Because if you are one of these people where you would rather just kind of shut down and not have mm. anything coming in. Yeah. I feel like just being empty doesn't necessarily fix the problem. No. Either yeah. on the one hand, you're going to be overwhelmed with the fire hose of insanity, as you called it, yeah. right, Isaac? <laughs> and you're just going to be kind of consuming all of this information. Or right. you're going to yeah. shut it off and you're going to be left with this void. Yeah. And then you're going to, at least this is what I do, you're going to obsess over the things that yep. you do know. Right. Yep. Like, so I can turn off the incoming information, mm. but I can't turn off the information that's <laughs> right. already gotten in there. Right. Yeah. And so like when I go to lay down to go to sleep, instead of sleeping, I'm sitting there replaying mm. everything that I've read about right. or I'm thinking about. It's a good point. Because there's nothing kind of taking up that space. Right. So at least mm. for me, I kind of have to go out and find those distracting things, whether it's mm. some other news stories, maybe a podcast yeah. Yeah. or maybe something just for fun. Maybe it's yeah. thinking about a video game right. or a movie or a home project, whatever. Mm. You need some of this other stuff to kind of take up some of your time and fill some of that yeah. space. So because good. if you just leave it empty, all of that fear and anxiety and those oh, yeah. overwhelming yeah. things, those are the things that are going to creep back into that available space yeah. first. And I'll multiply. Go, yeah. <laughs> I'll go further with that. Do not be ashamed about the things that are relaxing to you right now because you need to yeah. be able to relax. That's like, so good. Yeah. That's so helpful because I do feel guilty about that. Yeah. Like I asked my husband this week, like, can we start a new show together, please? Like, I yeah. need a new thing to like mm -hmm. distract sure. me. And I feel guilty about that sometimes because I'm like, I should be able to handle this better. But yeah, no, don't. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a tool in your tool 
they'll things to are, handle it. It right? is yes. bananas. Yeah. It's okay. Like you can. <laughs> Thanks. If you want to sit and watch paint dry, if that's your yes. thing, that's Do good. It. Okay. Everything's okay. That's good. Yeah, guys. I'll be honest. I've. Oh, I'm trying to like frame this, but I'm just gonna go since it's it's real talk. I've been angry, man. I've been mm. really, really angry, and I don't know that I could even point at a specific thing, person, or like I I don't have like a a noun to attach to this. But I've just been angry. I think I'm angry at the idea that I'm not as in control of my life mm-hmm. as I once thought I was. Yeah. I'm I'm angry that people are gonna get hurt by this, and there's gonna be irreparable damage done by this like that's just we can say that right now the things are going to be different on the other end of this and i've got people in my life who are vulnerable right now to this who i'm angry with because they're not listening to the advice of medical professionals and that's so hard i I feel like a toddler kind of throwing a fit i'm just like Mm. i'm just mad i'm gonna kick my box of toys Mm. and go to my room like that's been where i'm at lately and i think that it's just the result of, like I said, drinking from the fire hose of the news and stuff, and then mm. not asking that question like I talked about. The first several days of this, I just opened up the floodgates and consumed because mm. it was under the guise of, well, I'm going to get all of this information and I'm going to be so smart. And I'm going to take care of myself and I'm going to help <laughs> Bree take care of herself. Right. Yes. But all that did, like you answered, it just had me at 2 a.m. like, yeah, Joe, is the world really ending right now? <laughs> like, and, yeah. And that in turn was like, well, then where were the people who were supposed to stop this? Like, <laughs> why didn't they stop this? Like, yeah. yeah. And then it does mean no good to keep that anger right now. That's only tearing away at me and tearing mm. away at the people that I'm with. Several of the ways that I've sort of been walking through that is one, I've really, really have dived straight into the Bible. You version has been awesome. I've been reading mm. through the Bible a lot more yeah. and sort of recognizing that I'm no more or less in control right now than I was in November of last year. Right. Right. Like my life is different because my routine has been disrupted. Yeah. I'm no more in control of the situation. Right. Than it's not last that you year. have any less control now. It's that you realized it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and that, oh my gosh. that just is so frustrating because I'm the type of person like if I ran the world, we'd all have like a billion dollars. <laughs> <laughs> We would ride unicorns to work at our job at the ice cream factory Isaac where we were tasters like yeah. that, that, that. Like that discomfort makes Sounds me nice. furious. And yes. this is global discomfort or worse. Right. So, so true. I've just been so angry at that. You know, mm. honestly, I, I feel like your reaction to that makes sense to me. And I'm thinking about it again, going back to me being a parent and yeah. my kids. When kids get angry, it's usually because they have realized that they lack control over something that they (laughs) thought they had control over. And the whole point of their fit throwing is in an attempt to re-exert control over the thing that they feel like they've lost control of. Oh, wow. Right. If you think about it, when you're a kid and you throw a fit because... I didn't get what I wanted for lunch or because someone took that toy from me or because I have to go to bed. All of those things are issues of control, right? right? It's like my mom said I had to go to bed and I don't have a choice in the matter or I have to eat carrots for lunch, even though I don't want to do that. Better scream in Walmart. (laughs) Time to throw down, right? Like that's the response is like, I'm out of control. I don't like it. And so I'm going to literally be out of control. I'm just going to let it go. Right. And, And I think that's probably kind of what you're experiencing on a more adult level sure, yeah. right maybe you're not literally screaming maybe you are oh. I, you know, 
<laughs> it was an Aldi. We'll be honest. It was Aldi. But we kind of like throw these fits in a, yeah. our own adult ways when yes. we realize that that sense of control that we thought we had yeah. is kind of being stripped away from us. For sure. And the, the way that that fit throwing happens is I just get real short. My mm. fuse. Normally, I'm like the longest fused person mm. and my fuse is like half a centimeter now. Yeah. And <laughs> I've just had to really fight that. And I think that recognizing that this is a completely abnormal situation, my sort of strategies to break up of like, OK, all routine is gone. Let's yeah. just embrace this. It is now Dr. Seuss world. Yeah. I, I dance <laughs> at lunch now. Yeah. I, I'm not joking. I have thrown on hip hop. I've thrown on hardcore music. I've cleared out space in my home office and I just like dance for 15 to 30 minutes. That's awesome. It's ridiculous. We live over a crawl space. So like my house vibrates. <laughs> my dog, it freaks her out. That's amazing. But like crack yeah. open some of that feel good hormones. We're dancing. Seriously. And it works. Like it's been actually really good. So, That's so smart. Don't be ashamed of what's helping you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thankful that all of my cameras are off in my house when I'm dancing. <laughs> But it does work. It some, really works. Some sort of like physical releases, I think, really yes. necessary when you're yeah. feeling no matter what emotion it is that you're dealing with, whether it's anger or whether it is depression or yep. feeling overwhelmed. Yeah. I think like physical release through like sure. physical exercise or activity yeah. is a really key thing. It can get you outside. It gets yeah. you moving. Sometimes I think when you're feeling like this, it's just good to feel tired. Yeah. Like yeah. like in a physical way. That's true. Like, because we feel so mentally exhausted and worn out because our yeah. brains are working a million miles an hour, but yep. our, our bodies aren't doing the same thing. Right. And yeah. so when we can work our bodies out to the point where our bodies are tired and yeah. exhausted, that's when I think rest actually comes because mm. our body recognizes that we need it. Right. Yeah. right. I've, I've worn myself out. Now I need to sleep or chill or right. whatever. Mm. And it kind of allows you to do that. At least for me, I, I find it much easier for my mind to rest yeah. when my body is also in need of rest. Oh, yeah. For sure. And if my body's not that way, then my mind's like, now yeah, we're going to keep going, too. Yeah. And whatever that physical activity looks like for you, that's cool. Like it can be yoga. It can be yeah. running. It can be whatever. But just move your body a little bit. Yes. You I've, will feel better. I've been trying to do little bits of yoga in my house and I'm such a beginner. It's embarrassing. So I do it in a different room from other people. <laughs> <laughs> Even my yeah, cats are not watching. <laughs> so, yeah. But I, I did some of that this morning and got sweaty and I'm like, no, this is super important. Even yeah. if I feel like I'm terrible. At it. Yeah. Find your way to get sweaty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anything else that you guys have discovered so far, throw anything you want into the pile mm. here. What is going on in your life right now that has been good for you? Okay. That you're going, That's hey, good. this That's has good. totally helped me. I want others to know about this thing. I've been listening to Real FM. This is not like a shameless plug here. Like I, <laughs> I really have been doing this. Like I've been listening to both Real FM and our sister station, KLRC, because mm -hmm. I need just yeah. reminders of like, yeah. oh, it's Lauren Daigle saying that God's there. Yeah. yeah. Isn't it crazy yeah. how different and more profound songs yes. sound depending yeah. on our circumstances? Any 10th oh Avenue North song kills <gasps> me right now. Like I'll, yes. cry, I'll cry right now if you play one. I was listening <laughs> to uh, Look Up Child on yeah. Real FM yep. yesterday, I think it was, when yeah. it came on. And I listened to that song in a completely different way than I had ever yeah. heard. Yeah, for I sure, man. Oh, it right? reshapes everything like you actually hear the lyrics you know a lot of times when you're listening to songs mm -hmm. it's just kind of a, a soundtrack in the background mm -hmm. and i put some worship music on in my house the other day because i was like i'm losing it and yeah and putting that on it was so grounding yeah and 
takes on a completely new meaning. Yeah, when you hear things like God is with you through the storm, I'm kind of like, yeah, okay, yeah, okay, I know that. Right? But then <laughs> when you're actually in a storm, you're like, you go, oh, oh, all those water metaphors be hitting differently. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all of a sudden, all the tired cliches oh. that we've heard in every single song are going yeah. like, give me oh, more of that, yeah. right? They're yeah. true. Okay, so music, that's a good one for music sure. Music is good. What else we got? Laughing is super helpful and yeah. important so right important. now. Like all of our goofy memes and gifs that are getting posted on yes. our work yeah. chat. Yeah. So important. The memes are like the one saving grace of this entire thing. Yes. Actually, I feel like but, sure. you know, I'm, I am thankful for all the memes. Yes. Yeah. Like we need them. It's super helpful and important. And like doing this podcast with you guys and even just getting to just, yeah, chat because not a lot of people are laughing about this mm. right now. So getting to chat about it on our little work chat and just be goofy is yeah. super helpful. Yeah, absolutely. One other thing I think that has been helpful to me is really trying to focus on serving others and yeah. thinking of others mm. and praying for others. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I've brought this up on the podcast before in other contexts, but when I feel like I'm starting to get overwhelmed or anxious, the number one thing I feel like that helps me is to think about someone other than myself. Mm. Yeah. And that sounds really trite and like simple, but the truth of like how that actually plays out for me is really profound. Yeah. yeah. And so again, one thing that helps me is doing this like with my kids, right? Mm. Like when we get ready to put the kids to bed, we sit down in a little circle on the floor in their bedroom and we pray for the people that are sick. That's cool. We pray for the people that are getting laid off. Yeah. We pray for our grandparents and yes. for people who might be vulnerable in our own lives. Mm -hmm. And we pray for each other and we pray for God to comfort all of those people. And, and mm. like praying for others and spending time doing that is really important. Not that we can't pray for ourselves. Certainly that's yeah. good too. Yeah. But it just, I don't know, something about refocusing our minds outward instead of inward. I'm getting enough inward thoughts right yeah. now. Yes, I don't need yes. to load up on more of that. I want to load up on some of the outward sure. stuff or even other simple practical things like yeah. my wife and I have decided, all right, we're going to order food from a local restaurant at least once a week oh, right? That's to, great. to try to support a local business or yeah. something like yeah. that. Right? Come up with little ways that you can encourage others around right. you, whether it's directly or indirectly or even through prayer, yeah. getting our minds out of our own heads and facing towards someone else's, I yes. think, is a really important yeah. step. Yeah. So um, Holly Girth is a friend of mine and she's also an author and a licensed counselor and she did a video the other day on Facebook Live about your brain's response to extreme stress. And of course, there's what we've all heard of like fight or flight yeah. is an obvious one. Mm -hmm. I think another one is the challenge response, which is mostly positive. Like you kind of go, okay, how am I going to tackle this? How am I going to handle this? Mm -hmm. What action steps am yeah. I going to take? Like you said earlier, Isaac. But the third response is what you're talking about, Anson. It's called tend and befriend. And it's about connecting with others, helping them through it, being honest about where you're at with it. And that's one of the most important responses we can have. So that's mm -hmm. like an actual thing. It helps your brain get out of the fear cycle and the response of fight or flight. It helps yeah. you go to a healthier place yes. than that. Yep. So any way that you can find that community, yeah. dive into For that. Sure. That's, so that's what I think. I mean, if you have a chat of some friends or people that you know, and you can yeah. post news updates in the chat and react to them together as a group instead yeah. of on your own. Yeah. That helps. I, yeah. I think if it's being in prayer for each other, that yeah. helps. I've heard of Bible studies, meeting online yeah. through like Zoom, things like this. The mm -hmm. Marco Polo app is a great example. Yes. It's becoming really popular right now. Sending yeah. videos back and forth to loved ones. Yeah. Seek out that community. Just because you're in isolation at home doesn't mean that you have to be in total isolation. No. And in fact, if that's what ends up happening. It's going to be a lot harder. It's going to be yeah. way harder. 
All right, guys. Well, that wraps up our COVID-19 special episode. <laughs> I, don't, I feel like we need some like news music yeah, background. Like the, the, yeah. typewriter. The, the breaking news. Like, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. There's one other thing that we are going to promise to you, listener of the Real Talk podcast, and that is starting with our next episode, we're going to go back to regular programming. Yeah. We're not going to do five more episodes on COVID-19. We could do that, but one is probably good as far as real talk is concerned. Yes, this matters. Absolutely. And that's why we talked about it today. Yeah. But other stuff still matters too, right? Mm -hmm. And and as we were talking about during the show today, distractions and and filling our minds with other things is important also. Yeah. And so we feel like that's something that we can serve you in that way by providing you other things to think about. We're good at distractions. Other things to talk about. (laughs) Fun distractions, serious distractions, all of the above. That's right. This baby can fit so many distractions inside of it. If there's one thing we're equipped to do, it's to be distracted. We are here for you. And we're going to do it. Thanks for listening to the Real Talk podcast from Real FM. Catch Afternoons with Anson and Kara live every weekday on Real FM radio. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent or reflect the views of John Brown University, KLRC Radio, or Real FM. Grandpa Isaac, what do you remember about COVID-19? It was round up.